0: Hello and welcome to episode 85 of the Owls AmeriCast, sponsored by Sheffield Wednesday's iFollow live match streaming service. Sign up now at swfc.co.uk slash iFollow. I am your host today, Evan Skilleter, sitting in for our regular host, Jeff Paternostro. Now, don't let him fool you. He's our regular host, but we are still technically co-hosts of this show on the line also with me today patty in secaucus otherwise known as the best suburb of new york city patty what are you drinking today good evening
1: evan how are you my good friend um it's good to be back isn't it i feel like i've been away for like six months um has anything happened has it been quite busy i feel like it's been quite quiet um anyway i am drinking a weird drink tonight i've got a dogfish head sonic archaeology which is a prohibition inspired cocktail Brewed by whis- brewed by Dogfish Head. So it's whiskey, rum, apple brandy with honey, lemon, and pomegranate juice. It's like a weird hybrid of Dogfish Head brewery and cocktail, and it's actually quite good. I've had like three glasses already though, and it's going to be very loose today.
0: <laughs> Glad to hear that in a very uh, not serious podcast uh, with plenty of topics that are not serious as well. So uh, also with us. Chris, in Washington, D.C., a city that really nothing ever happens in. Um, Wow, that was very political. I should probably backtrack on that. Chris, anyway, how are you doing tonight, and what are you drinking?
2: Good evening, everyone. Uh, Yeah, nothing happens in Washington, D.C. It's very dull and boring around here. (laughs) Um, I am drinking a flying dog beer, which is my favorite brewery. It's about 15, 20 minutes from my house. It's called Salty Bitch it's an american tart um but what really uh, made me laugh was the side i think it's very apt for today it says all hail the queen in the sea of beer she stands alone salty with a touch of tart her cold stare will leave you questioning your life choices or not we don't know what you've done with your life we just make beer i think it's pretty apt for this (laughs) week what have we done with our lives
0: and i must say this is the first time i've ever heard chris speak uh, outside of just uh, our regular text conversations, Chris did not realize that uh, that you're not American. <laughs> <laughs> He's
1: not American. I'm American.
0: Uh, <laughs> like wow. How about that? For, first time. First <laughs> time I've, I've realized this. Yeah. How about that? Uh, our our next. I don't want to call him guest. I guess our next guest is the most um, common it's been a phrase, while. but. But yeah, Mike, it's it's good to hear from you. Mike in Portland, our resident hipster. Mike, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, not a
3: hipster. Gosh. I
0: know, uh, that's uh, so, exactly what a hipster would say. Thank
3: you very much. Uh, I am drinking a nice red wine tonight. I have a Santa Julia, which is a Malbec from the Mendoza region of Argentina. It's nice and fruity. Nice to warm wine for a uh, cold night. And... Uh, should also be loose, listening up quite a bit to, to engage in this conversation. So, might even throw an accent so you can try to guess where I'm from, too.
0: <laughs> Glad to hear it. I am drinking a Miller Lite, which sounds boring, but the description on the can is something that James Allen would write Inside is a fine Pilsner beer brewed with the highest quality ingredients. We use choice hops from the Pacific Northwest as well as noble sax hops and deliver more taste, aroma, color. With only ninety six calories per twelve ounces.
1: Why would S- why would James Allen <laughs> write that? I don't understand that comment.
0: I know. Well, see,
1: you're besmirching James Allen's character.
0: I was trying to I was trying to make it sound sophisticated, and I stumbled over my words a little bit. I probably had too many of these. Um, also,
1: Miller Lite. I don't think you could make it sound sophisticated.
0: You sure? You certainly could. Um, it would t- It would take some work. But uh, anyway, we're going to do our best to sound sophisticated tonight as we move through our agenda. We'll talk about a Wednesday away win. We'll have a roundtable discussion on the EFL debacle. If you haven't heard yet, Wednesday could be in some trouble. Uh, We'll have some other Wednesday news. We'll talk to Steven Peck in Indiana. We'll preview Brentford, and we'll get to some other business. So first, it is... Some talk about Charlton away, and I will do my best to fill Jeff's shoes in our 90-in-90. 90 90. The Owls used two mountains to tame the Attics in the Valley Saturday. Wednesday almost broke through early, but knew he goal was nullified when Grandpa Joe raised the offside flag. However, moments later, Fletcher glanced a Bannon cross right past the Dylan Phillips for the first tally of the match. Nine minutes later, Macaulay Bond got back got one back for Charlton on a garbage goal that bounced off a defender and passed Dawson. The halftime scoreboard read 1-1, but Wednesday looked in control for most of the second half, led by Cameron Dawson's baseball cap. Finally, in the 80th minute, Er Erhun Oztumer took Murphy down in the box, paving the path for my absolute favorite Wednesday moment in recent memory. Fletcher stepped up and locked eyes with a squirmy Dylan Phillips. Phillips shouted some nonsense banter as Fletcher went to strike it but the bullshit backfired and the keeper dove the wrong way a brace from Fletcher and up 2-1 Wednesday went followed by some gnarly shit talk from our Scottish number 9 a nervy (laughs) 10 minutes ensued and of course it wouldn't be a Wednesday match without a stoppage time goal however this time it was the Owls scoring late as Reach found new Hugh 3-1 and 3 points to the Owls and folks don't look now but we're only 2 points out of a playoff spot maybe
1: (laughs) really you <laughs> can tell you've well, been doing your commentating, Owen. your commentating oh yeah, a, yeah.
0: We're d- deep into the commentating season it's uh <laughs> we're, we're diving right into basketball these last couple weeks so it's been great but let's talk soccer and let's get to our talking points mike why don't we start with you you want to talk about our lineup
3: yep so first of all we beat a team we were supposed to beat on the road which is great and uh fantastic we need to do that I guess my talking point starts with the end of the Birmingham game, which is also a team we should have beat. But I really, really appreciated the furious rally that we had in the last 10 minutes of that game. And when I saw this lineup where we had Fletcher and up front, we had Bannon, Forestieri, and Kadeem Harris. Uh, to me, if we can take those five and be an attacking team, um, I think that's fine. Now, whether or not we can... I think there's always the question about is New and is Forestieri, are they capable of putting in 90 minutes week after week after week? And um, Gary Monk said he made the four changes, you know, out loud he said his four changes because of, you know, three games in one week. But I really do think that this could be um, a very exciting offensive team. It could just be a lot of fun to watch.
1: How do you think um, Forestieri did in that first half? Because now he got a little bit of a knock halfway through it. Um, I, I, for me, I thought it was a little bit mixed. He, was, he showed good side and bad side.
3: No, I would like... He needs to get some consistent minutes. I, he has been so either banged up or suspended that we really don't know what we have right now in him. He. Some people still say he's the best player in the championship. Others say he's overrated and past his prime. I would just like to see him do it. I just think that... He's got that mystery factor where he kind of creates chaos um, and disruption, where people really need to, to be aware of where he is. And I think that's more valuable right now. As long as you have the very consistent, persistent Bannon and uh, Kadeem Harris, you know, responsible for the, um, you know, for most of the passing and the touches, I think um, I'm I'm fine letting him be out, be a little reckless.
2: Something's up with him though. With Forestieri, do you know, thing, like um, is he with? with bannon he came out and was like he's not trying hard enough in in training or he's not trying hard enough in the games that's why he's not getting starts. Like he's clearly really talented like he he clearly has a lot of talent he is technically probably one of the best players in the club but there's just something not right and you see that even from when he joined the club like um things not quite right and i don't know what it is like there must be a reason behind him not getting those starts um is it him not trying hard enough or is it just he's being banged up and he's been injured i, I don't know but he something's not quite right you know
0: i watched a video i'll will let you speak in a second patty but i i just want to mention i did watch a video recently uh just a, a goofy video where bannon and fletcher were going back and forth uh describing players on flashcards, and the other one had to guess who it was and when when Forestieri's card popped up. Whoever was describing him said, "Best player on the pitch on his on a uh, when he's on, or when he's on, he's the best player on the pitch." Like even even the players in the club know, like he he is a fantastic player.
1: Yeah, and there's three points right this week. So that it's a good point, David. I was going to mention that, but there's two things that have been brought up in the last week. One, Bannon came out and said that he should try harder in training to be on the pitch, which I thought was a ridiculously honest thing and bit honestly a bit. I would be a bit uh, taken aback if I, if I was Forestieri, uh, And also I was a bit surprised to therefore see Forestieri on the pitch to the next, like, um, for the next game. And the second thing I think Fletcher came out, maybe I think after the game Saturday, saying it's the best dressing room that we've ever had, which I think echoes some comments from last season too, um, which again, it allays any fears we have around how this EFL situation is affecting the dressing room for now at least. But, um, but for me to have that honesty in the team uh, around Bannon saying he needs to train harder and Fletcher saying it's the best dressing we've ever had, it's, it's, it's got to be something personal about Nando, right? It's got to be something maybe lacking confidence, something he's lost the passion for football, I'm not sure. But I thought he showed glimpses of doing what he can do that first half. I think he took a knock um, and got a little bit quieter the uh, last 20 minutes or so. But... I agree with you, Chris, but I also agree with Mike. Is that he showed glimpses, but he's not consistent enough to be a first-team
2: starter right now. How did he miss that that shot as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping yeah, the was that, yeah. that was I'm hoping that was part of the injury because that was terrible. Yeah, I mean that was that was wild. I was I was, I was sitting all ready to see the the net bulge there, and it it went further past the post than I expected. That's for sure.
3: So, I mean, I remember a few weeks ago, I guess last time I was on, um, Evan was bringing up some stats around um, New You and how prolific he was as this guy coming off the bench. And I don't know if that's Forestieri's role. Is it your 75th-minute spark plug that we need or when we're, you know, in even games? Um, Hard to say.
0: It was awkward for me. It's my first... Podcast with Chris on, and he's the one that gives me all the stats. So I'm go. going to have to give, give this one. There was a great stat about over to the, the number. Great the stat about the number of
3: Ati Nuiu goals after the 85th minute. Who's yeah, real? that was uh, which
0: that came from Chris. I know,
3: yeah.
2: as, a, as a text message at like 10 o'clock at night. That, that you just made up. <laughs> yeah, no, I
0: didn't do any research. <laughs> he's sabotaging me. <laughs> just like. <laughs> Yeah, actually, statistically, the best player on the pitch last year was Jacob Butterfield. If you look at his his passing rate along with his pace. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks, Chris. I'll go ahead and say that on the podcast. That's great. Um, yeah, I think I, I agree. Nando does need some more time on the pitch, but it's it's just tough right now to find space for him. Um, and so, Patty, let's go on to, to your talking point and, and Barry Bannon, man of the match.
1: Yeah, so you got the official man of the match. You didn't get the Elders uh, America's man of the match. I think Fletcher won that on the Twitter poll, which uh, Chris put out. Uh, but I, we, we see always we seem to take Bannon for granted, I think, sometimes uh, as fans. Um, and he only really gets mentioned when we're when he's not played well. So I was looking through the highlights of this game. Obviously, I watched the game on Saturday morning too. And overall, I think we looked a better uh, solid side. I think the uh, formation suits us better. Um, the question I had before the match started was, could Bannon really uh, cover as much space as we needed in that formation to make as much impact as he does usually? Because he hasn't got the same amount of protection in that kind of midfield five that we play sometimes. Uh, And quite simply, the answer was yes, because I think he had a fantastic game on Saturday. He was back to his best, he's marshalling plays, putting in challenges, He's doing crosses, obviously it was was his cross that uh, Fletcher scored from. Um, He he was that orchestrator and conductor that we miss so badly when he's not in the team. Um, And it's completely uh, warranted that he got the man of the match. And for me, I just wanted to make sure that uh, we're not taking him for granted every week as Wednesday nights. Because for me, Bannon, I think over the last four years, has been our best player. Uh, And I can't think of another person that comes close. Do you guys agree with that
0: yeah I do I think he's a warrior man I, I think it, constantly it's it's match after match he's putting his body on the line he, he's picking up knocks he's getting stepped on he's getting knocked over and he just keeps getting back up and you can see you know there are some players that fall over a lot and uh, you know two minutes later they're running around just fine but you can see if you look closely a, a little limp and Bannon after those knocks and uh you know five 10 15 minutes after him but he's still running as hard as he can you can see it on his face you can see it in his movement um, you know he's he's technically gifted there's no doubt about that but but for me it's the the pride that he plays with that um, that just really makes him one of my favorites of all time for sure
3: no I have to agree I think I think his crosses are invaluable I think as long as he's in the lineup we have a you know we have a shot at, um, you know, at least staying in a game. So, yeah, he's, he really is the glue of the offense. And I think you're right. He has been an underappreciated, you know, going back to the Carlos days.
2: Yeah. I mean, you saw it when uh, when he wasn't in the side. I can't remember what game that was. It was recently. He would, and it was just kind of flat, right? There wasn't really much spark there. Yeah. He, uh, he brings a lot to it. I'm surprised, though, that teams continue to give him the freedom of the park. Like, all the time. Like, he has so much space. And I don't know whether that's him being talented to get away or... Team's not closing him down, but we'll take it. It's, it's true, actually. It
1: doesn't get mentioned quite a lot because um, you, you hear about the Premier League having more time on the ball. Bannon does seem to find a lot of space and, and the gaps between uh, midfield and defence and exploit them really well. So it's maybe a part of his game that we haven't really um, kind of talked about too much. But yeah, I, I think I think you're right. Very rarely does a team mark Bannon out of the game. If it's a problem where he's having a bad game, it's usually his own problem rather than the other team finding and putting a man on him. Uh, it's I think it's just part of his talent to find space and exploit it.
0: So we've got Brentford, Derby, <laughs> derby, whatever. Nottingham Forest coming up soon. Uh, do, do you think a 3-1 win like this? I know... Charlton is is garbage. But uh, do you think a win like this, especially on the road uh, with a team who just has recently mentioned it's one of the best locker rooms they've ever been a part of? Do you think this carries over into the next few? I know it's hard to say, but I want to hear I, your opinions.
3: So I think November was a you know, the, the record wasn't great. But I think that I'm not just trying to be Pollyanna here. I think that they, the team was a lot better than the record revealed. And for the second year in a row, I'm going to come on and say our, our best game of the year was a loss against West Brom, but it happened last year and it happened again this year. I hope I hope this is the beginning of something. Um, if they really do want to make that promotion push, knock on wood, they really do need to put together that five you know five in a row, five wins, and then eight out of ten. Get that get that momentum going. Um, so this will be it. I mean, I think this is this this build up to a Boxing Day is really going to be this super important. I think they can do it though.
1: For me, I think that uh, there's lots of positives in the fact that uh, if we keep the defence shored up, which like we did against Charlton, um, and we continue to create the amount of chances that we do, and we have created chances, even though the games we've lost and we've drawn last minute, we, we've we pretty much deserved to be in those games um, and, and getting more out of them than we have done. I think our luck will eventually change. I think a bit of it is about belief, which I think Alan Biggs said in one of his uh, articles today. It's about hitting the balls with some belief that's going to go in rather than just kind of like playing the safe bet and just trying to get on target. Um, I think if we continue to create those chances that we have done and defend like we have done, then the the look and the rub of the green should eventually change. And rather than losing games in the last minute, we'll start winning games in the last minute. Because we haven't seen a lot of teams to be frightened of so far this year. And we'll talk about the off field stuff later on. But I think on the field, we're, we're top six worthy.
0: I guess last question that I'll ask, uh, based on this last match, and Chris, how about how about you first? Do you do you think we we ought to stick with that four four two, or uh, I mean, obviously we scored three goals with it, but uh, based on what you saw, and maybe some stats that you, you've seen, is the four four two the way to go?
2: I think it is. I mean, we, we scored three goals. That's that's always a positive. Three goals away from home, always good. Um, I would stick with four four two. I think it it just adds a different dimension to uh, to the play that we have with those two 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 pacey wingers is good. Um, I just think four five one is it's kind of a bit slow and um, a bit reserved for for the players that that we have in the in the team. So yeah,
0: I would stick with four four two. Anyone else object?
3: No, I mean uh, if you told me over the summer that we were going to have a 442 with Fletcher and new you up front, I would I would use words like brittle and fragile, but it, you know, it looks it, it works when you see it out there, so I say we go for it. Although I'm not sure there might be some matchups where some teams where that just matchup doesn't work, but let's I say onward.
1: I think it works. I I I don't think new is, is having one of his best seasons in a Wednesday shirt. Um I think his build-up play has been good. His hold-up play has been good, and pretty much uh, he's been relatively clinical. I would say in front of goal. I would say more clinical than he's used to. Um, and I actually like, even though it's not a lot of pace up front, I actually quite like the two like battering ram approaches of uh, Fletcher and New York front.
2: Is his contract yeah. up in the summer? <laughs> it is. And that's why starts playing well, right? Ah, oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let's get a full right. season out of him being uh, up for a contract, rather than the last five games.
0: All right, well that does it for our Charlton talk. Next, let's just go right into it. Uh, we're not even going to take a break. Uh, we're going to talk about these charges in this what we have deemed at the EFL debacle. Um, I think w- what would be best for us to do. Is, is just start with some facts. Let's start with exactly or, or try to narrow down exactly what's going on to the best of our knowledge, at least from the information we have now. It seems like there's a lot of misinformation out there or just confusion uh, based on what I've seen on social media and in talk, talks I've had with other people. So um, I'm, I'm going to get to uh, a, few, a few facts, a few things that I've read uh, and try to unpack some of this stuff. So the information that, I have here has come from articles from the star BBC Talksport, and uh, primarily actually the athletic so um, yeah so so we'll start here that the charges have been levied against Chan Siri catcher Mir and John Redgate and are based on the sale of the stadium which most people are familiar with Wednesday's 2017 2018 accounts contain the sale of the stadium which helped Wednesday show a rolling three-year profit between 2016 and 2018. Without the sale of the stadium, Wednesday would have taken a loss of $57 million over those three years, which would be far more than the $39 million loss each championship team is allowed to take during a three-year stretch. So one issue is this, and it's when exactly was the stadium sold. The stadium sale was not official until 2019. What's more, the Chancery company it was sold to, called Sheffield Three was not incorporated at all until June 21, 2019, which is the same day Wednesday filed their 2017-18 accounts. Remember, this sale was posted on those 2017-18 accounts, even though it wasn't official until 2019. Another question is of the stadium valuation and the method of which it was sold. It was sold for $60 million but instead of Wednesday receiving 60 million up front from the purchaser they're receiving the money in installments of 7.5 million dollars a year over 8 years i guess i shouldn't say dollars but 7.5 million um and some other stadiums have sold for 27 million villa park was 57 million pride park 80 million west ham sold theirs for 40 million so uh, you get a, a an idea of what parks are being sold for so th- there's a lot to unpack. I- I'll stop there. Was there anything that you guys heard in that um, in that bit of information that you think is not fact or needs corrected or anything that needs added?
1: Uh, I'm just trying to check the date. I think it might be 2018 rather than 2019, right? That the company was created, but it was still too late for to be sold and to be included in the accounts. I'm just trying, 2019 seems too late. So should we file? Should we file our twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen accounts in twenty eighteen? Right. That's the only thing I can think of. The main problem is is that this company didn't exist um, when the accounts were filed. I think that's what the main problem is. Right.
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. So so. In their initial statement, the EFL said the charges are in respect to a number of allegations regarding the process of how and when the stadium was sold and the inclusion of profits in the 2018 accounts. Okay, Um, And then in Wednesday's most recent statement, which came out today, the day we're recording this, they said that they have numerous emails, letters, and other documents in which the EFL gave authorization to the transaction. And then they repeat that the EFL authorized the transaction. Okay, so basically, and with everything we have, we always have people say two sides, but there's really three sides to a, to a story and to an issue. You have, you know, my side, you have your side, and you have the correct side. In this case, you have Wednesday, you have the EFL, and then you have whatever is correct. So, I guess you know what did you guys hear? What, what were your initial reactions when when you heard this story and started reading into this? Uh, Patty? let's start with you.
1: Well, my initial reaction was that we exploited a a loophole uh, by selling the uh, stadium, but we messed up the exploiting of a loophole, which seems such a Wednesday thing to do, right? So you, we found a loophole. We are going to exploit it, but actually we fucked it up because we can't... Well, at the time, we thought that the reason they were... Uh, charging us was because that the stadium, the, the, the company that we sold the stadium to, wasn't created in time for the company's accounts. That's what I understood from the original thing. So we tried, to see, we saw a loophole, we went for it and fucked it up. That's what I thought why we were being charged for. So it, there's a lot of questions about how the club was run uh, coming to my mind. I didn't. I, mean, I don't think I put much on social media about blaming people because it is still at this point one person's side of the story. So I kind of held back from that. Obviously, a lot of people didn't do that. Um, but still, that's their prerogative and it is a very emotional thing. And the way the EFL came out about it was very much like, you guys have done the worst thing ever. <laughs> We're going to fucking take you down. And that's going to elicit an emotional response, right? You can't be neutral to that.
0: Okay, how about uh how about you Mike?
3: Yeah, when I first uh, the news first broke, I kind of freaked out. Um I was not Yeah, that that's probably the best way to describe it. Not not a not a complete freak out, but I was like, "Well, this sounds like uh we're in trouble." Uh, but it, to me it sounded like I also kind of thought, "No, we couldn't have been that stupid that we would have gone, you know, been in so much um, iffy trouble with uh, with financial fair play over the last couple of years that we would actually blow it. I mean, I think we all kind of knew that we were exploiting a loophole, the same loophole that a, a number of other um, clubs have tried. So my immediate reaction was, yeah, I freaked out. And then I realized, well, they couldn't have been that dumb to to blow it into to do it right in front of the EFL. So that's why I would think I, I, within a day or two, I was a little more reserved that it's not going to be as bad as... We think,
0: Chris.
2: I, I think I just thought, what a mess! Like, I mean, it, it just seemed like I was reading it and thinking, like, this is this is not good. It's a bit of a mess, and I, actually thought, like, I'm going to read up a little bit more about it. And my first initial reaction was like, how on earth could we lose thirty-five million in one year and still function as a as a football club? Like, I mean, that was that was a big surprise, but. I think if you look at the chairman has tried every loophole that he could possibly try. Like, I mean, the Sheffield 3, there's Sheffield 4, 5, there's D Taxis, there's Elevate. And if you actually plug in his name into Companies House in the UK on the government website, he has got a lot of companies linked, all registered to Lepping's Lane. I don't know what. I mean, you're not really covering up a huge amount, right? If you're you're registering a sports drink or whatever elevate it is to leppings lane and transferring money from a company to a company. It just, it, uh, I think as Patty said, we tried a loophole, we've tried many loopholes and we ain't very good at exploiting them. Um, and other clubs have been probably a bit more savvy in, uh, in doing that. Yeah.
0: So, so my initial reaction was just, honestly, initially, without getting into to reading some of this stuff, I just thought, oh, the EFL's at it again. Just uh, just needed to brush them aside and, and keep playing. But when I really started to read into it, I mean, it it certainly feels like this is a bigger deal than, um, than maybe some people are making it out to be. And I know, as a Wednesday fan, your initial reaction is to defend the club, to defend the chairman. Uh, but when you really read into some of this stuff, it's it's super strange, and and Chris, I've done what you said, uh, and and um, you know tried to to follow some of these companies that Chancery owns, and, and you start to look through through all that. Like he he has a hand in just about everything. He has a ton of companies, um, and it's it's tough to follow, and it, it just feels like. Like you said, it, there's, it seems like he's tried to exploit every loophole. And unfortunately the, the EFL kind of caught wind of that. And I think they're going to try to catch him now. Th- this, it gets, it gets super sticky with the the timing of everything because now this is where I want to separate kind of the, the facts from, from conjecture here that this is, you know, D- these are some assumptions, I guess, based on on some of the facts. sose in in Sheffield Wednesday, they've said and this is according to the uh, the athletic um, and I want to pull up the article so that I'm not uh, I'm not misquoting it, I guess, but basically w- what's happened is that Siri Ch- C- says that he had the sale cleared. Uh, or he had discussed it with the EFL and discussed what they were going to do and got that cleared with the EFL. And so someone with the English Football League knew what was going on, knew what he was going to do. And in Chan Series' mind, it was cleared. It was He was able to do it, no problems, and he did. And now all of a sudden... The EFL is looking back on this like, hey, wait a second, this isn't, this isn't, uh, this isn't how things should have gone, and we were not clear on on what you were going to do as far as when you were going to put this on your accounts, and so they're they're kind of backtracking. Well, I think the most interesting thing to me is that. In 2018, when supposedly Chan Siri went to the EFL and said this is what he's going to do, they had a, a chief executive called Sean Harvey. Um, and, and that's who, again, according to The Athletic, in, in a source that they have that is unnamed, um, again, separate fact from um, – well, well, this could be fact. It might not be. Anyway, the source said that Sean Harvey was um, – was aware that this was going to happen. Well, Sean Harvey's no longer with the EFL. And so I don't know if maybe, again, this is only a possibility, but maybe Sean Harvey didn't communicate well with with the league or maybe they're unhappy with the way Harvey handled it and, and they're trying to go back and backtrack. Well, if that's the case, I'd have to imagine all wins they need are some emails or documents that say, hey, yes, it's okay to – put the sale on your 2017 18 accounts right
1: you think so Because I mean John Harvey is the league he was the head of the EFL so if, if you've got some emails a conversation with Harvey or his office saying that they're gonna prove what Wednesday had planned to do then that would make the EFL's argument very hard to push forward um, Yes, it's a new owner of the EFL, but at the end of the day, it's still a company that has said this thing at that time. So you can't then go back and punish them for doing something that they had the rights to do on the benefit of the uh, EFL's uh, current uh, owner. So that in itself is what the club are fighting against, right? They say they had the permission to do this. The EFL say that what they did was wrong. Um, and that's the kind of uh, thing that each now has to prove in some kind of disciplinary he- disciplinary hearing. I assume it's gonna happen very soon
0: and I think that's what makes me most nervous is that all we would need is one email that says it's okay and I feel like if we had that, then this wouldn't be an issue I guess and again, this is just my opinion just you know something I've been mulling over um it's it. it it does really concern me that somehow the EFL feels like they're able to push back on this, uh, on Mm the issue.
1: But there could be a gray area here, right? So it's not as binary as we had the permission and we didn't have the permission. The EFL could have said, yes, you can sell your club to this company, which you own. uh, And that will, uh, get around this, uh, 39 million pounds, um, profit and loss thing okay they could say that and that's what maybe dc is saying happened what the efl is saying is that this company that they apparently sold it to didn't exist when apparently this sale was made so that's i think where the gray area comes in is it's all about dates and times and the very specific thing that they got That they got a kind of uh, pass on so I mean look the the letter from the club today on the the website seems to be written by a legal person so I'm assuming they know um, better than we do what the club has in their hands Uh, and they wouldn't go so far aggressively to then counter sue uh, the EFL if they think they had a bum hand they must think they've got a strong case
2: What do you make of them charging the individuals? That, that to me, was interesting, right? I mean, I can understand charging the club. Um, in one point, they've lost the money, right, as a business. But to go and then charge those three individuals with misconduct was, that, to me, was like, the oh, okay, then someone must have messed up, right? Like, or, you know, somewhere along the line. Um, I don't know. That was just, it was surprising. I'd not seen it before. I, I tried to look back and couldn't see any other chairman's getting or, or or directors of finance getting charged like that, you know, for a similar type thing. So it's kind of first time. Um, you have to wonder why. Yeah. I think
1: it's good. I, I think, I think if it wasn't in fact, it was my club that have fucked something up and may have acted, um, may have acted, uh, how to put this without getting sued, um, without good honest, let's say for the time being, um, I would rather the owners or the people responsible take the blame than the club and its players and its fans. I know there's uh, an argument to be made around uh, fair competition and, and gaining advantage by spending so much money. But I think that the owners are making decisions about this and they should probably take more punishment than the club does.
0: Yeah, I just feel like this is at least in the EFL's eyes, I feel like it's a, a matter of the individuals at the club trying to, again, in the EFL's eyes, it is probably those individuals going behind their back and trying to, to scheme them and basically pull a fast one on them. You know, if what the EFL is saying is true, then that, that is what happened. You know, those those three the people in charge of the club and the finances uh you know they legitimately did try to pull a, a fast one on the afl and and you know they've got a new sheriff in town i forget what his name is but it's a new uh, I, th- I think a new head of of the afl or the chairman or someone has said you know what we're gonna start cracking down on this and you know hopefully wednesday aren't uh, the club that um is kind of that uh what 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 do they call it the uh yeah the first club to get the punishment the, uh, I'm the one an they're, that's out getting yeah. yeah exactly hopefully that's not us and and hopefully they've they've charged the individuals in order to make an example out of them rather than a, a historic club i don't know what um it did the rebuttal today from Wednesday, I know, Patty, you touched on it, but um, did the, the statement from the club make you any of you, Chris, how about you first? Did it make you feel worse, better or not really um, push you in any direction?
2: I don't think it really changed my view on it. I think it was quite strong, right? I mean, they, they, they clearly had some, some words. They clearly rebuffed a lot of what they said, They addressed specifics, which was interesting. Like you don't often see that, right? Then, addressing really specific things uh, because they want to keep it out of that environment. But um, I guess my view on the EFL is that they tend to do what they want to do and it it will be up to them what happens versus what what Sheffield Wednesday Football Club does or what any fans protest about. Um, I think, you know, a statement to statement, but at the end of the day, it, it really is up to the EFL to decide what they want to do. With, uh, with the club and with the chairman and with the other two that are involved.
3: Yeah, for me, it sort of, it helped me. It, it, first of all, I was I thought it was positive. Um, it was an act of defiance, it showed some strength, um, but it was very confident, um, which I liked about it. And, it. and as Chris said, it showed so much detail that they really, they could have been cowering away or trying to figure out how do we mitigate this, but they're really, <laughs> they really do want to fight it. Um, and you know i I've, I've kind of been watching this th- through with, with um i don't know what the right expression is but with one hand in front of my face so i can't see the whole thing so i'm kind of nervous about the way this pans out but but seeing that the confidence they had um, really does make me think that they they have a case and i think our our worst case scenario is well i don't want to talk about worst case scenario but yeah there's likely that this will get dragged on for a long time um Again, I don't. none of us know much about British law system, so I don't know, it, does this stay within what we in America would call arbitration, or does this go to a real uh, court?
0: Does anyone know? Well, the next step is an independent um, committee, I guess, that reviews yeah, okay. it, and I don't know what that's made up of. Um, okay. I don't know if the other two do. Yeah. I mean, they haven't announced the members of the committee, but I don't know if it's... Lawman, or or i have no idea yeah i doubt any of us yeah I, I, I don't know um what about at this point um it, it, what, just i guess let's end the conversation with this patty what do you think comes of this as far as a punishment goes if there is one at all
1: I think if a punishment does get handed to us, then you'll prob. I think we've seen some, some very strong words in the Athletics today saying that the AFL wants relegation on the table, so automatic relegation, which would be, I think, crazy uh, to just push it down on us. Uh, I think if they can't get that, they'll probably give us a massive point deduction, which will almost certainly guarantee relegation. I think 21 points was something that was banded around when it first came around. So there's lots of strong rumours that they really want to make an example of us. Uh, and on top of that, the fact that we're um, contesting it so aggressively, uh, I think if we lose this, then they're going to probably mandate that Chancery uh, can't have a role in football anymore. So I think that, it sounds bleak, uh, but I think if we don't win this argument and our, our proof, that we had to consent to go ahead with this is is found to be um not good enough then i think we'll be looking at a very hefty point deduction and looking for a new owner of our football club
0: and what what patty is referring to is that that athletic article uh, written by matt slater david ornstein and Nancy Frostick, who they did a great job with this article. They had some facts in there. They had um, some some interviews with some different people. But what he's saying is, uh, and and I'll quote directly from the article, a 21-point deduction is considered the likely outcome among some clubs, although others within the game believe that the EFL could even push for Wednesday to face automatic relegation from the championship and a points deduction from the start of next season if the charge is upheld. Um, That seems scary (laughs) that would not be fun at all um so so chris how about you uh do do you have any any comment on a potential punishment
2: i think as patty said i think if if the punishment comes down the line it will be severe um there was comparisons made to other clubs i think that's naive in some ways um to say oh well what's going to happen to derby what's going to happen to villa i think the situations in those quarters are very different um to to the one at wednesday i think there is an issue of course with selling the stadium but I, i think the issue here is timing um whereas in the other places it's value or it's whether it's sportingly right to do that so i think they'll make an example of of, uh, of Wednesday, I think twenty-one points would be extreme. Would it be recoverable? I think you know you'd have to see at the time, but um, it would be it would be tough to come back from that. And we may well be watching uh, Wednesday versus Carlisle away on a Tuesday night in League One next season if, uh, uh, if they have their way.
0: Um, interesting note. I, I read um, a statement from Darby and their defense is similar to ours. In their statement, they said the EFL cannot now, long after approving the arrangements, suggest Derby County breached the rules. So it seems like they are in kind of a similar situation. Now, I didn't read way into it, but uh, it sounds like um, you know their defense is similar to ours. Mike, do you have any uh, any further comment on on the punishment?
3: You no, know, I'm only hoping that the what you just read was the absolute worst-case scenario, and we can uh, go from there. But that worst-case scenario would be if they, are, if um, someone at Wednesday are found to have actually intentionally tried to pull a fast one on the EFL, then um, yeah, it's going to be we're toast. So, but
1: right. case, so that's, let's. I want to go back to the EFL, right? And we can put a magnifying glass over this organization over the past few years. And they're not well organised, they're not consistent, they've got a lot of critics against them, so I feel like challenging them is the best option we have right now. I just hope that we've got the evidence to back up the challenge, because um, it would be foolish to do that without it. The EFL as an organisation have been spotty at best in mandating this, um, which I think is now dated Profit and profit sustainability um uh guidelines they they're now looking for a win and looking for someone to make a case out of uh with their new um executive in charge rick parry uh if they've not if they if they're gonna go back on something that they had previously said was okay then they're gonna have a very hard time offering the punishment that they want to offer if it comes down to this kind of counter suing kind of uh, back-to-the-courts thing. So I think we've got to kind of hope that the EFL are as useless as they have been over the years and they don't have a strong case and that the Wednesday lawyers and the Wednesday top brass have a better case.
0: Well, we want to hear what you have to say, so make sure that uh, you you find us on Facebook and and post on our page. You find us on Twitter uh, at Al's Americas and uh, l- let us know what you think. Let's start a conversation and um, you know it's it's perhaps troubling times, but uh, it's also the perfect time to um, you know to c- continue this community and 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 keep the conversation going. So we'll take a quick break and when we come back, we'll have Stephen Peck from Indiana and we'll talk about how he became a Wednesdayite and how he started. What could potentially be a Wednesday bar? Welcome back. And back comes our segment, How I Became a Wednesdayite. This time it's with our Indiana or Fort Wayne now. We'll ask him what he wants to go by. Steven Peck. Steven, welcome to the podcast. And first and foremost, how did you become a Wednesdayite?
4: Thanks, guys. Excited to be here. Uh, So it was 2011, and I've had a friend for basically my whole life, and he was big into soccer. He's a big Newcastle fan. I know we don't like Newcastle right now, but, you know, eight years ago we did, or we didn't care about them. But he told me I need to become a soccer fan, and I didn't want to just choose a Premier League because it seemed way too easy. So I decided to choose a team in the championship so I could see them hopefully get promoted. And I went and clicked on every single team name, and I thought Sheffield Wednesday and Crystal Palace were the two coolest names. So I went onto the Wikipedia page for both of them, and after reading just the quick highlights, I decided Sheffield Wednesday was. The coolest of the two teams, and so I officially pledged my allegiance to Sheffield Wednesday.
1: And was that the same year where when Palace and us were fighting in the relegation zone, and we got relegated and they didn't? Yeah.
4: <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that that year they were in the relegation zone. They didn't obviously. They didn't get relegated. It was the first year that they came back to the championship.
1: Ah, I get it. Okay, sorry. I think it was the year before so, that. Then, yeah.
3: I was just thinking about this this morning because I probably joined, f- started following Wednesday about the same time. What do you remember about the first time you actually saw Wednesday, whether on TV or somehow saw them in action, and how long was it before you had chosen to join them again, in the pre pre I follow era, before you actually saw them? Oh play?
4: man, it was it was really tough to to even see them because basically I was just following on Twitter uh, at that point for several years, I think. The first game I actually saw may have been, it was either when they played Man City back when, uh, I believe, they, they lost that game 2-1 to one when, someone had a brace for Man City, I forget who it was, but they lost that game, that was either the first one or the, the Arsenal game.
1: Oh, the Arsenal! Yeah,
0: it was usually those good, te- good teams that we played when we would when finally get uh, get on TV. The Arsenal game would have been a good one to to be an introduction, though I suppose.
4: <laughs> yeah, that, that's so, Still so to this day, that's the most exciting Wednesday game I've I've seen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, did you did you listen often on on Wednesday, player, or what was your what was your experience following Sheffield Wednesday um, and until uh, iFollow became a thing? What What was your experience like or a, a, a match day like?
4: So I work in restaurants. I've been working in restaurants since I've turned 18, really. So Saturdays are the big restaurant day, so I always at work. Uh, so it would be refreshing my Sheffield Wednesday Twitter account and refreshing the the owls online account that i would just read through the match day stuff and and that was it i never got a chance to to listen to anything uh but now that there's actually i follow it's really nice because i get to actually see them play on a weekly basis
0: all right then talk to us about uh about your current match day experience Uh, i guess a congratulations is in order um, for, for all our listeners, Steven and a friend just took over a restaurant. So you're now co-owners, I believe. Is that, is that how it works?
4: Yeah, we, we both decide we've been in restaurants for basically our whole lives. And I've known this guy for, for 15 years, He's a really close friend of mine. And, you know, we've talked about, Hey, we should buy a restaurant someday and we should do him. Ha ha ha. Knowing that it's never really thinking it's going to happen, but then, pieces just kind of fell into place and we found a place that was selling and we actually had some extra capital and so we decided to to buy a restaurant in north manchester indiana it's a little family style bar and restaurant out here so uh i kind of converted him to a wednesday fan a couple years ago he's not he doesn't know a ton about him but he's still a passionate guy and he likes to to care and chat with me a little bit about him whenever he's able to watch games. So we decided, hey, we want to make this into a soccer bar, and we're going to show Wednesday games on our on our TV. So now every <laughs> week amazing. we we put on I Follow and we throw it up on the TV and we try to get some people in here.
1: I love it. I love it. was a bar in North Manchester, Indiana, that a guy owns, and the passionate Wednesday fans showing the games. So. It's, it's, it is the the start of something great here. Um, I know you're not really in the most tourist popular area of uh, the world and you're going to pass us by, but mm-hmm. hopefully we can, the fact that you're there every week, Stephen, I think it's a massive opportunity uh, for people to come and visit in that area. Cause Evans not too far away, there's lots of people that are like two or three hours we found so far that are nearby, uh, and I'm hoping we can maybe do um, like a big event there uh, through House America and help get the word out, this is just the start of things too for you guys, so really do wish you all the best and obviously we, 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 know, you, um, we know you through uh, uh, emails we sent to the podcast, we've answered a few questions online from you for. so it's just great that you're doing this next step in the Owls America's journey and you're going to be part of our, our support group so I personally want to say thank you because I think it's amazing what you're doing um, and all the best um, for what you end up doing with your business and the bar too so keep in touch with us obviously and uh, make sure you send us lots of uh, pictures of anyone that turns up in north manchester indiana
4: yeah thank you so much It's it's been a blast so far and uh we we're spreading the word every week we've got a couple people that have come in and been like hey you know what's what's that jersey Uh we have the jersey <laughs> on the wall uh, What what's that and and what team is that there's a couple of premier league guys they're like oh that's why is there a sheffield wednesday jersey here so we i've talked to a couple of the soccer coaches around town uh at the university, and a couple players that I've seen, I'm like, come on down. We'll always have the Sheffield Wednesday game on, but we'll also throw the Premier League on the TV, too. So,
1: Hey, this is what happened in New Orleans, by the way. So, to give you some kind of like a roadmap for success, so I don't know if you've uh, seen the pictures on, uh, online of New Orleans Owls. So, Jamie went, um, who runs the New Orleans Owls group, and basically converted all of his friends and local bargoers to be Sheffield Wednesday fans. So, that's essentially what you have to do in uh, North Manchester, Indiana, too. <laughs> Hey, that's that's the plan and the goal.
4: We've we've already got one fan already here. Uh his name is Ron. He came out to our very first meetup when they were playing Leeds at seven thirty in the morning.
1: Yes, Ron and his I love Ron already.
4: It, Ron's awesome. His <laughs> daughter lives in England and her boyfriend is a Wednesday fan, so he's actually been to Hillsborough. That's brilliant. And watched the game, the uh it was a QPR game from earlier this year that they lost two to one. He actually went and saw that
0: game live.
1: Did you know Ron before you opened the restaurant? I did not.
0: Wait. So this is listen, listen, <laughs> listen. This is a Fantastic. this is a town of fifty eight hundred people in two thousand seven census. Fifty eight hundred people. That Stephen, how far away do you live from North Manchester? Just forty five minutes. About forty or minutes. minutes. Yep. Okay. Stephen decided he's gonna he's gonna buy a, a restaurant in North Manchester, forty minutes away from his hometown. He's going to open the bar for a Wednesday match, and what do you know, one person out of fifty eight hundred <laughs> in North Manchester, Indiana, show up because he's a Wednesday fan. How cool is that?
4: It, it was amazing. He came to the door like there's, there's no way he's here for this game. is there, <laughs> they're like, he just, he just happened to show up and try to ask directions or something. And then I was wearing my Owls America shirt and he's like, Oh, this is the place. <laughs> like, oh, that's so cool that they're all of my years in Fort Wayne couldn't find another Wednesday fan. And then moved this little tiny podunk town and there's, there's already one here. So
3: so and any of us who've ever hosted a meetup know the feeling of seeing a car pull up and you go, no way. And then you see them get out of the car and they see you and they go, no way. It's a very <laughs> exciting moment. So excellent work.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah I that's mean, it's, cool. it's really a great community that you guys have started and just ways to, to reach out. I know a couple of years ago, I felt really like I've got to be the only Sheffield Wednesday fan in America because who's ever actually heard of them? But it's really cool to to hear from other people and actually meet other fans.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and Steven has, has been to Bluffton, Ohio before he came to to one of our meetups. Was that um was that a Sheffield United Day? Yeah, we watched by?
4: Sheffield United and then we then we saw the All Wednesday all, movie all afterwards.
0: Wednesday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um Steven and I have met up outside of that just for lunch as well. So, uh, yeah, it's always cool to find, to find new fans around us. And if you're listening to this podcast and you feel like you live in a, a small town where, where there's no other fans, just get, get a hold of us. We'll, we'll, uh, try to get a hold of some people in your area and, and try to set something up. Uh, Steven, again, thank you so much for, for joining us. And I guess, you know what? I don't want to cut this, cut this off yet. I want to know what your thoughts are on, on this season overall. Let's, Talk about on the field first. <laughs> what are your thoughts on how we've been doing?
4: So it, it seems like they're so close to being a top two team. It's, you know, the first 10, 12 games of the season is all these, oh, if, if this one ref decision went this way, if that should have been a penalty and it wasn't, or that person should have got a yellow card or red card and they didn't. And if those little tiny ref decisions went, our way, then we would have won several more games and had four or five, six more points. And now we've kind of switched to this portion of, of the season where it's, Oh, if only we could defend after the 85th minute, then we would have seven, eight, nine points and be uh, at the top of the table. So it just, it just always seems like there's that one, if only moment in every game and, and keeping us away from being top of the table
0: yeah and so we can why don't we get your uh, your thoughts on what's going on right now off the pitch we've already kind of talked about it on the podcast but kind of your opinion on on what's going on
4: uh, it's it's i i think it's going to be a big distraction to the team i feel like knowing that they can play as hard as they want and ultimately what's the reward going to be is going to affect the locker room, whether they say it's going to or not. And obviously they're not going to say anything when they're in their press releases and stuff like that, because they can't, but I think it'll hurt the, the, on the pitch play of the team. I also have a strange suspicion that the EFL is going to drag their feet on giving us a penalty a points penalty until the end of the season, and see if we're in that playoff spot, and then deduct us points. And if we're not in the playoff spot, wait till next season. So I'm currently <laughs> worried that this is going to affect us more than just this season.
1: Nice. No, it's, wow. uh, it's one of my. It's a good point. The first one you made around team morale. Because I think it's something that hasn't been mentioned a lot, obviously, in this whole um, uh, past few weeks. It must affect the players uh, if they're gunning for promotion. Then out of their Out of their control, they get deducted points that make them not up for promotion. And in some respects, what's been talked about today, for instance, is there might actually be a relegation scrap instead. That must have an impact on uh, psyche and training and how you prepare for things. So I think it's a great point. Um, Yeah, so I I just, I was saying earlier on and off uh, the line that someone described this as like an elongated VAR, uh, like waiting for the result of what VAR was saying. it has got it hanging over us for the next like, well, hopefully um, I think he'll hopefully it will go into next season but I don't think that's the case. Um, and it's just waiting to be kind of hung almost. Like, just tell us the results. But from the statement in today's news from Chancery and the club I think this is going to be dragged out for a long time.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm just worried the EFL really has something against us right now because of kind of what we did and then the statement that sorry left today and uh, oh well, we're going to basically counter counter sue you and you know what's that ultimately going to do other than make the, the people of the EFL more upset at us
0: yeah yeah it'll be um, it, it, it'll be interesting to, to see how it plays out it could be something we talk about for a long time um, or yeah I don't know it's 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 a crazy time to be a Wednesday fan, but props to you for, for continuing to to open the bar. And speaking of the bar, what's the the restaurant? I don't know if you prefer bar and grill, restaurant, whatever you want to call it. What what's the name of it? What street street is it on? How can they contact um, contact you or the restaurant or both?
4: Yeah, so it's called the Main View Inn. Uh, so Inn is what they used to call bars way back in the day this building's been around for 70 years it's been the same restaurant it's gone through this will be the fourth different ownership group uh and it's literally on main street in north manchester everyone knows it because it's been around for such a long time uh you drive in on the main road and it's you know a couple blocks down from the exact main road uh we have a facebook page for it you can just search main view in on Facebook and and our page will come up. Give us a give us a follow and a like there and check out all of our our lunch specials and North Manchester. Come visit us and watch a Wednesday game.
0: Good stuff, buddy. Well, again, everyone, that's Stephen Peck. Stephen, thank you so much for uh, for joining us tonight.
3: week's Yeah,
1: Steven. thank Thanks you for
0: so having me, David. Appreciate it. <laughs> Welcome back, and some Wednesday news for you, Dom Iorfa, player of the whole month. Uh, do you guys agree or disagree with how Big Dom has played in the last month? How about, uh, how about you, Mike?
3: Uh, like I said earlier, it was a weird month as far as results go, so um, I don't know that there was anyone who really stood out as a positive. So yes, I, I think he was just fine selection. Probably wasn't a runaway. Chris?
2: Yeah, I agree. I think uh, when you see him marauding up the the middle of the pitch with the ball and then no one coming there, it's, uh, it's pretty good. Um, I think I saw a tweet, I can't remember who it was from, and it was like, the best keeper I offer, the best defender I offer, the best midfielder I offer, the best striker." <laughs> and I was like, that, that's probably true right Right now. So, yeah, thanks to Zerb.
0: Patrick? I think he's a beast.
1: I think he's better than Berner. I, being honest, I think I said this a f- few weeks ago. I think Ben has got all the kind of uh, hype. But I think Ayala has barely put a foot wrong in the last, well, two, three months. Uh, He's been great. So, yeah, totally deserves.
0: I agree as well. How about the FA Cup draw? We have drawn Brighton, date to be determined. Um, Yeah. (laughs) could could, uh, That had so much potential and we just... uh... Just going to stumble into a Brighton match. Awesome. How about we skip Brighton? Let's talk Brentford for a moment. Brentford at home. And hey, Brentford scored seven goals last match, Paddy.
1: Yes, man. Uh, So Brentford, have been a bit inconsistent so far this season. Uh, So that was a bit of a surprise result. So it's not the best coming into a game uh, against a a club that's just got seven goals. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case by the weekend. Uh, I think our um, defense is way better. So, for me, a home game against Brentford on the back of a 3-1 win against Charlton, I think there's going to be goals in it. I think we're going to see lots of goals. Um, but I do think that we'll get the win. Um, I'm going to go for, like, a a, th- a 3-2 thriller. Yeah,
0: so, so Brentford have... Uh... They've won four out of their last six, their two losses. One was to Huddersfield, 1-0, and one was to. What is up with these British websites and these cookies (laughs) things popping up all the time? Do you guys have a law over there or something that says I have to accept these? drives me insane.
3: They lost lost to Rovers.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Blackburn Rovers. Yeah, good for your GDPR (laughs) laws. Um, anyway, Brentford averaged 51.1% of possession each match. Uh, they get off just about 14 shots a match, which is, uh, pretty impressive. Obviously with seven goals in one match that, um, you have to shoot quite a bit. As far as goals scored, Ollie Watkins has 12, uh, which is a lot considering the next closest is Josh Da Silva with six. Um, they have Brian Mbuemo, and he's got five. Um, so, you know, they, they have a lot of goals, but those goals really not spread out between too many players. Um, you know, we've already mentioned three. They've got a fourth, Saeed Benarama. Um, he's got three, and then two other players with one each. So not a team that has a lot of scorers, but a team that has – a few scores that put a lot in <laughs> anything to add on uh brentford
2: i have one question would you bring a yeah. uh, bonus back right um from his suspension
1: yeah just a one game what would you
2: do that do you bring him back for lee's yeah um do you bring him back do you replace i offer i don't think that's likely it's interesting um, cause, i mean lee's hello.
1: was one of our best players the weekend too so it's 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 a nice problem to have in it I would probably keep the team, or the back four at least, from uh, Saturday and keep Lees there. about you guys?
0: I think I'd be okay with that. Um, And obviously, if if Lees looks like he's slipping in form, we have a really good uh, third option on the bench. Yeah, I said keep, keep that back four. So let's move on to... Some other business, uh, Paddy, any meetups for Brentford?
1: Yeah, we've got um, three meetups. Um, Stephen, who we spoke about earlier on, uh, as, uh, will pretty much be open for most of the Wednesday games, but uh, we'll post it on our Facebook events anyway. So North Manchester, Indiana, the main view in, as we spoke to him earlier on, go if you're in that area. Um, I'm sure Stephen will make you feel like a king. Uh, we've got New Orleans. Um, they're back at Finn McCool this weekend, and of course in New York we are back at the Football Factory. 10am kickoff on iFollow. Uh, come and join us if you're in any of those um, cities. If you are looking to uh, start something yourself, give us a shout. Uh, look on oursamerica's.com for your nearest city rep or your nearest support group, uh, and we'll try and facilitate some other
3: meetups. Just a quick correction, Patty. This is not an I Follow game. Really? This is ESPN. That's weird. Yeah.
1: Hmm. How a 10 a.m. ESPN game against Brentford.
0: I know. It's surprise, surprise. ESPN but, loves Sheffield Wednesday. Well, not enough. This is the first.
3: Uh, yes, it's a 7 a.m. game. Or, 7 a.m. for us out on the West Coast, yes. It's a, been, for, been a while.
1: Mike, did you get up at four thirty to watch Charles game last week? <laughs>
3: um, you know, we I think a lot of us do have this ritual where we will get up, we'll tune it in, and then we'll kind of decide if we're gonna stay up or not. Um I know some of the folks up in Vancouver, Darren and then they, they're gung ho, they get their coffee going and they stay up. I try to I try to be alert by the second
0: half. <laughs> That's a good compromise. Nice. Yeah. That's impressive. Five fifteen on a Saturday. It's
3: you know, it's not that it, well yeah, this kickoff's at four thirty, it's not that. It's what do you do when the game is over at six thirty and the game's over. You're like, huh? Back to bed.
1: Yeah, yeah they're not really a,
0: a stressful get back to sleep kind of football right. team. Shiffy Wednesday, are they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um Speaking of New Orleans and meetups, um, some of our we'll go go to some of our social questions. New Orleans Owl asks any progress on a national meetup, preferably in New Orleans. Patty, I'll let you go and answer this one.
1: Are we allowed to announce this? We kind of agreed this, right?
0: We c- we can announce. What we've agreed on.
1: <laughs> all right. So exclusive to, on the Isles of Maricast. Uh I don't even think I've told Jamie this. Oh, we have, yeah. Um, so we are going to have the national meetup in New Orleans next year. So this will be a coming together of all Sheffield Wednesday fans. You don't have to even live in America. If you just want to come to New Orleans to party with some Sheffield Wednesday fans, come to New Orleans. It will be around March or April. That's the one thing we haven't decided yet. We're looking at the best possible fixture date. Uh, w- uh, the winner at the moment for me is 21st of March against West Brom um, but we're going to finalize that in the next few days, next week and we'll put something out um, but Jamie thanks for asking the question the next or the first annual national meetup for Alza Americas will be in New Orleans
0: Woo! Patty, Patty, my birthday is uh, March 24 Woo! so uh, March 21 would be a good day to be in New Orleans I suppose <laughs> Um, yeah, well, like Patty said, we'll have some more information on that. Once we, uh, once we put our heads together and, and figure some stuff out. Uh, Other questions from Charlie Thurnley on Instagram, where will we finish this season? That is the toughest question to answer (laughs) after the last few days of information. Let's, let's do this without a points deduction. Where do we finish this season? Chris.
2: Uh, My heart says top of the league by six points. Um, My head says seventh. We miss out on goal difference.
0: Uh, Mike?
3: I'm going to go with fifth. Solid fifth. But we are going to be in and out of contention through the end.
0: Patty? Sixth. Yeah. I I think playoff spot as well, actually. Uh, The way we've been playing and and, – just the, the attitude around the club. Yeah, I think a top six finish is is where it'll be. And or
3: second place in league one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Could get <laughs> ugly. We'll see. Um so Bail XY dot s on Instagram asks this. Let's ooh, so this is gonna take a while. Let's just be quick about it. Um, the question is what would your starting 11 be we're gonna split this up mike starting goalkeeper oh, i'm gonna stick with Dawson for now okay patty back four
1: um i just said that uh, we didn't want to break up i and lees but i actually wouldn't mind putting my right back bringing back burner and Leeds, and having Fox at left back, so you can kind of squeeze all three centre-halves in, but you're having one play right back.
0: All right. Midfield, Chris?
2: Let go Reach, Hutch, Bannon, and Harris. I think, yes.
0: Okay.
1: You could have really screwed everyone there and gone for five in midfield. That way, he'll chooses one person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah I, I'm sticking with uh, with with our mountains up top Fletcher and and new here so there you have it our collective starting 11 and that will do it for this episode number 85 I believe episode 85 of the owls of America brought to you by Sheffield Wednesday's I follow live match streaming service sign up at swfc.co.uk slash I follow. You can find us online at OwlsAmericas.com, email us at OwlsAmericas at gmail.com, find us on Twitter and Instagram at OwlsAmericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend, and The Makers. Podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcast, Podbean, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There is no wrong way to listen to the show, just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume Owls AmeriCast, we ask that you rate and review the show as it helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Speaking of ramblings, Patty is on Twitter at New York Owls. Patty, what is your favorite drink on a Saturday morning?
3: <laughs>
0: I
1: love it when you haven't prepared a question for me. I can see the panic appear in your face. <laughs> uh, my favorite drink is a Saturday morning... Uh I assume at legends. Um, I usually switch up to Guinness or cider because they're the two breakfast drinks.
0: Chris is on Twitter Uh much yes. what is your Twitter handle? <laughs> and what is your second favorite type of ice cream?
2: Oh second favorite type of ice cream.
0: Oh Chris's Chris's Twitter handle is at Chris Robinson.
1: Also at Owls Americas.
2: That's true. You've given me some time to think of the ice cream. (laughs) I would say Rocky Road.
1: Ben and Jerry's obviously though, uh, Chris, right? Because you're on the line with a Unilever person here.
2: Yeah, of course.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mike is on Twitter at Cascadia Owls and at Mike Laroon. That's M-I-K-E-L-A-U-R-U-H-N. Mike. What is the best brand of bicycle?
3: Oh, my. Um, uh, uh, my oh, my Bianchi, of course. Fantastic.
0: So hipster. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> what will that one, Mike.
3: <laughs>
1: I am so on hey, Twitter. George, my, my, my
3: garage, I'm just surrounded by bikes. So, yes, of course.
0: <laughs> I am on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and we'll see you here next week.